0: cloud
1: I step in
0: I want to see your glory as Moses did flashes of light thunder. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Show me your glory. Show Show me your glory on my own beauty, lost in your eyes.
1: I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Again, I'd like to turn this studio into the sanctuary. And I'd like to welcome you to Hal Brady Ministries. As always, it is my prayer that both the message and the music will be a blessing. And I would appreciate it if you would share this time that we are in with other people. We would welcome them to the broadcast as well. Our scripture lesson now is from 1 Peter. Chapter 1, beginning at verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you invoke his Father, the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverence, fear during the time of your exile, you know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth so that you have genuine mutual love one another deeply from the heart, you have been born anew not of perishable but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. This is the word of God for the people of God Thanks be to God. Would you join me please for a moment of prayer? O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, which art thy strength and our redeemer. Amen. A religious writer used the phrase, the holy, in a book he was writing. But when the edited revision came back, the editor had simply taken a little pencil mark and put behind the words holy the word spirit, In a conversation that came up after that, the writer asked the editor why she had put the word spirit there. She said, well, I thought you meant the Holy Spirit and you just left out the word spirit. He said, no, I didn't mean the Holy Spirit at all, but I wanted to use the expression the holy in the book. And this is what she said, but I don't think people will understand that, she said. We never hear anything about the holy anymore. And we never do. Holiness seems to be a subject that's to be avoided at all costs. No question about that. We feel very shallow in trying to even speak about holiness. And we certainly don't want to be branded as holier than thou. Nor do we want to be considered holy rollers or anything of that nature. So consequently we avoid the word holiness like a plague. Even we preachers have trouble with the word holiness. For instance, how many sermons have you heard recently on the subject of holiness? But nonetheless, God calls all of us to authentic holiness. God calls us to live lives of individual holiness, and He calls us to live lives of holiness in our communities of faith. And this brings up the text that I read from First Peter. This is an instruction to converts. It originally was probably a part of a baptismal homily given to new converts, new people who were baptized. These people were living in a culture that could be called religiously indifferent. It was a pagan culture. And so they felt like foreigners or strangers or aliens. So Peter decided to let them know how they should behave in this kind of culture. And he gave the example of how and the reason, the rationale for how. Listen, the writer says, As he who calls you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. First of all, there is the absence of holiness. The absence of holiness. Sadly, we see what our society has become or is becoming because it's lost its sense of holiness. Holiness. There was a man in a cemetery who was trying to get the tombstone of his wife straightened back up and he was being interviewed by a television reporter. The night before, a motorcycle gang had run through causing havoc in the cemetery, knocked over the tombstones and desecrated a number of grave sites. As he was fixing his wife's tombstone, a tear came in his eye as he said to the reporter, Is there anything sacred anymore? That's a good question. When we have lost reverence for God, is there anything sacred anymore? As John Killinger reminds us, the holiness of God is like a tent pole holding up everything. When that tent pole is no longer there, or there's no longer any respect, then is there really any respect for anything? Now, our society, if it has not already gone a far piece from holiness, is certainly getting there just as fast as it can. Think of the flippant ways we refer to God. I'm talking about the name of God. The name of God in Israel was Yahweh. This was a name that the Hebrews only referred to once a year. And that was a time in the Holy of Holies where the high priest could only use that name. But think of the flippant ways we refer to God in our time. We make jokes in poor movies about the power of God. We present God's name on bunker stickers. And we put it into cheap slogans. And then we write degrading music. And when somebody gives us an award, we thank God for it. We use God's name in vain. Sometimes we get buddy-buddy with God. In other words, we've lost our sense of feeling for God's name. We've lost our sense of feeling for God's name. I read a book the other day by a former Archbishop of Canterbury called Carey. In the book he had a chapter called The Great God Robbery. The archbishop was talking to a prisoner and he mentioned God and the prisoner said nobody believes in God anymore, do they? Well, we can't say that because these polls tell us that over 90% of the American people believe in God, but we can say that the name of God has been devalued and certainly it has been in our culture today. Bill Hybels, told about a man that he met, a Christian man, who felt that God had called him to get rid of the pornography industry. In other words, he was to fight the distributors and the producers. And so, he and Hybels got into a conversation. This man knew a lot about this subject. There's no question about it. But in the process of the conversation, Bill Hybels asked this question, he said, what kind of man or woman could possibly build a career on pornography, I'm talking about child pornography? And the man replied, you'd be amazed what people can justify. In the pornography industry, film directors call what's going on in bed acting, the government turns a back and calls it art, producers and distributors call it free enterprise, video stores call it entertainment and people who participate call it a night of fun. While all this is going on, this rationalization we have thousands of children who are being abused physically and mentally. When the reverence for God is lost there is a very definite losing of the sacredness of human life and relationships. A biblical story would be David and Bathsheba. David had this consuming desire for Bathsheba. Consequently He lost respect for her husband, Uriah. And when he lost respect for Uriah, what he did was, as his commander-in-chief, he placed him in harm's way so that his death could cover up this particular incident. You see, when reverence for God, respect for God is lost, then morality tends to lose out. And when reverence for God is lost, respect itself does not show up. You remember the comedian Roger Dangerfield? When Roger Dangerfield would come on, what would he always say? I don't get no respect. And we would laugh and laugh and laugh because he didn't get much respect. But the truth is, we don't get much respect any, anyway. We feel we don't get much respect. That's something that sort of bothers everybody. There's no respect. Let's think of our school teachers. How many school teachers have left or are leaving the school system simply because they have to fight arrogance and they have to fight rudeness and they just can't fight it anymore. Think of how we treat older people in this culture. We feel like that older people have no wisdom for us anymore. Think about what we call our law officers. We call them bears and smokies and pigs. And what about parents? Parents are often a part of the problem here. When respect is lost, here's a parent that comes along and if that child is criticized by a teacher or instructed some way criticized, what happens? Then the parent becomes a problem for the teacher and the authority of the teacher is undermined. And I have said nothing about the lack of civility in the political realm in this country when respect for God is lost. When respect for God is lost, humility demises. You know, It seems it really is about us. You know, we are climbing above, we are moving forward, passing others. The question is, are we really number one? Are we the smartest? Are we the best? How many times have you gone to a ball game and you've seen this foam finger that goes up like this? You've never seen it this way. Not we're number two, it's always we're number one. But I'll tell you what happens when humility comes back. Then we have a deep respect for the soldiers, for the shoulders upon which we stand. We stand on the shoulders of many, many people, family members, friends, constituents, all kinds of people, the church, and most importantly, God. But I'll tell you, when respect for God is gone, when respect for God is gone, there is no humility anywhere there is the absence, the absence of holiness. And then secondly, there is the call to be holy. There's the call to holiness. God says, you shall be holy, for I am holy. There is one characteristic of God we cannot deny. The Bible clearly says, God is holy. God is holy. I am holy, he says. More than any other attribute, God's holiness is, It's what separates God from humankind. And yet Jesus dressed up in God's holiness and came to earth into our experience. So if we are going to relate to Jesus, we're going to have to share the holiness of God. We're going to have to share the holiness of God. Now the root meaning of this word translated holy is different. A holy person is not odd. A holy person is different. A holy person is different from, he, from what he or she used to be. A holy person is different from the unchurched people who live around him or her. To be holy is not to be perfect. To be holy is not to be super moral. To be holy is not even to be especially religious. To be holy is to be whole. To be holy is to recognize in our self-knowledge of who we are and whose we are. To be holy is to deeply involve ourselves in the world, but not to be in the ways of the world. To be holy is to give our respect to Jesus Christ, our love for Jesus Christ, because He loved us, and we represent Christ in the world. Ken Hemphill is the dean, president, of one of our seminaries. He said he would never forget the day he went off to college. He was going to play football for Wake Forest. He said his daddy walked him out to the car and his daddy gave him that last lecture for college. His mother stayed on the porch, she wanted to play it safe. He was set for a long word of advice, but it really wasn't very long, it was pretty short. His father simply said to him, You bear my name. You know, your great-great-grandfather was a church planner. He was a preacher. Your grandfather was a godly man. And you know, I've tried to be faithful to God. He said, you know, the name Hemp Hill means something. It means something. So don't you take my name somewhere where I wouldn't take it. Don't you take my name and involve it somewhere that I wouldn't be involved in. So the question is, how do we live a holy life? Well, the first way we prepare for holiness is to prepare our minds. We have to have good minds if we're going to live a life of holiness. What did Paul say? He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and perfect, and that sort of thing. And then, what did Paul say to the Philippians? He picked up on the same thing. Listen, finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We simply cannot live holy lives if we have undisciplined minds and we keep our minds in the gutter. And then if we're going to live holy lives, we have to live on this earth as aliens. Will Campbell, that eccentric Baptist preacher, who is not stereotyped in any way, said he had a ministry with a a lady who was named Debbie. Debbie was 35 years of age, she was dying of cancer, and she was in a hospital in Nashville. She said she was an atheist, and she did everything in the world to fuss against the God she didn't believe in. But after Campbell had visited with her for several months, she went to Campbell, and she said something like this. She said, you know, I might just join your church. She said, I don't have a church. She said, that's right, you don't have a church. The church has you. Our citizenship is not in the United States of America, first and foremost. Our citizenship is not in any nation of the world, first and foremost. If we are believers and disciples, our citizenship is in the kingdom of God. We are dedicated to the king of kings. And then if we are to live holy lives, we are to live lives that are redeemed. Holiness does not mean that we seek to be odd. Holiness means that we seek to be like Christ. Max Lucado said, if you want to make a difference in the world, live a holy life. And these are his suggestions for living a holy life. These may surprise you. Listen, be faithful to your spouse. Be the one at the office who refuses to cheat. Be the neighbor who acts neighborly. Be the employee who does the work and doesn't complain. Pay your bills. Do your part and enjoy life. Don't speak one message and live another. And then this way of being holy is the last one I would mention, is to live a life of hope and faith. Because Jesus Christ redeemed us, God expects us to live lives of hope and faith. Hope and faith. The same God who raised Jesus from the dead is the same God we believe in. And if we want to experience that power, we receive Jesus Christ and accept the Holy Spirit into our lives. Mother Teresa, in her older years, she encouraged people to live a life of holiness. And this is what she said, I want, I will, with God's grace, live a holy life. God says, you shall be holy because I am holy. There's the call to holiness. And then there is the activity of holiness. The activity of holiness. And again, I want you to listen to the Word of God. This comes out of our text that I read a few moments ago. Listen to this 22nd verse. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from your heart. The activity of holiness is love. Fervent love brought about by purity of life. Fervent love brought about by purity of life. Jesus said, By this all men shall know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. John Wesley was asked, Why did God bring Methodism into being? His reply was, Because he wanted us to reform the nation, particularly the church, and to spread scriptural holiness everywhere. Let me ask you something, what is scriptural holiness? According to Wesley, it's love of God, that's inward holiness, and love of neighbor, that's outward holiness, which means social action. Recently, I've been reading a lot of books on the church of the 21st century. And I believe basically there are four reasons why people come to church today. First, they want to be understood. Secondly, they want to understand. Third, they yearn for hope. Fourth, they yearn to belong. You get that? They want to be loved. People come to church because they want to be loved. And God calls us as his disciples to love people in the church and out of the church as well. Well, there it is. The absence of holiness, the call to holiness, and the activity of holiness. John Wesley liked to include these in the same being. Happy and holy. He thought they went together, and so when someone said, I'm not happy, Wesley would always look at him and reply, are you holy? Are you holy? God says, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we're grateful for this day and for your presence. We are grateful that you call us beyond ourselves to a life of holiness but help us to realize that holiness is not beyond our ability, especially our ability in your power. Holiness is simply living life at its best. All of those things that Max Lucado mentioned a few minutes ago. Help us to be faithful in every way, and we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory. Thank you again for the opportunity of sharing this message and for the people in this television audience. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you very much for joining me tonight, and I trust you'll have a great rest of the evening and a good week.